listening to The Conversation here on Hawaii Public Radio. I'm Catherine Cruz. And this morning, we talk about the mandatory vaccine and testing mandates that are being rolled out across the state. Joining us uh, today is uh, Labor Attorney Jeff Harris of the law firm Torkelson Katz, Hetherington, Harris, and Norick. Uh, Harris has 40 years experience in labor law, specializing in compliance and litigation and labor relations. Hi, Jeff. Nice to reconnect. Hi, Catherine. How you doing? Good, good. And joining us in the studio is Tamara Addison. She is the Human Resources Director for Oahu Transit Services, which operates the bus and the handy van service. Uh, how are you, Tamara? Great. Thank you for having me. And, you know, I'm going to start with you, Jeff. I mean, gosh, I mean, how would you characterize these times in, in terms of, you know, the labor challenges that we're seeing? It's It's been interesting, and I'm just hoping that we can uh, all get together and get through it. Yeah, I mean, the, the challenges, the disruption, uh, you know, the, the, the uh, I guess the, you know, things change so fast and and we have new information every day but uh you know we're at this point uh where uh you know we've got these mandates and we're trying to do our best to uh, to roll them out and you know Tamara I, you know from where you sit you know we we have seen uh you know the driver shortages in transportation globally uh and locally and you know we do need our drivers <laughs> you know, who uh, keep our bus system uh, operating. Uh, tell us about where we're at with the rollout on the mandates. So uh, we have about 1,000 bus operators. As, as of today, we are at 85% fully vaccinated or partially vaccinated. So that was a great um, result of this uh, vaccine mandate. It is difficult to balance our responsibility to provide and maintain service levels to the community mm -hmm. while keeping our drivers safe. Um, and still respecting those who have sincerely held beliefs against the vaccine. So now the the uh, rollout of the mandates, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it was like two weeks after um, the citywide uh, directive that, that came out uh, by the mayor. Correct. So it, um, our first uh, deadline was going to be September 15th. Um, and so th for all of them to get all their information in. Um, prior to that, we were only at 61% of people who are vaccinated. Um, and now, as of yesterday, we're at 85 percent company-wide. Okay, so where are we at? I mean, what happened to the employees that have not yet complied? So we, about ha we have about 200 people who haven't complied yet. So HR is going to reach out to them, um, those who have not complied. Um, we are still in the bargaining um, process with the union. So um, part of the, that is, you know, what's going to happen to those who don't comply um, it might just be that they're out on leave right now anyway. We have s some that are out there. Um, we also have, um, they might just didn't read their emails or didn't get the message as far as updating um, their vaccination cards or applying for an exemption. So we'll follow up with them. And if they still don't comply, then it is a non-disciplinary unpaid leave of absence for them. Right. So uh, I guess, though, for the bus riders, if they're concerned that all of a sudden there were going to be fewer routes running, I guess, what do you what do you tell them? So the public will be notified. I think with with our 85 percent vaccination rate now, we will be able to continue to operate. But we do have a plan in place if we do have a big shortage. We have a contingency sign up going on. And Jeff, you know, from where you sit, you know, because you've got this dilemma with private and the public sector, you know, and, and uh, talk about the labor law and, and how that applies. Well, it's, it's really it, it's really the respect that the bus and other employers like that are giving people that say they have a seriously held religious belief because they don't really even have to be doing that in the in the public sector. There's no there's no obligation that that a public sector employer give any exception to the mandate but but our our city and our and our contractors following have have decided to respect uh anyone's religious belief and allow them to test on a weekly basis instead i'm i'm concerned in in the long run about that testing alternative and the reason i'm concerned is because it's obviously much less effective it's a spot check once a week instead of continuous protection from the vaccination. It's uh, much more administratively burdensome. So the bus and other employers are going to have this week, weekly reporting and, and 
compliance obligation that they didn't have and they wouldn't have if they if employees just got the vaccine and for private sector employers uh, and i don't know where the bus falls on on this particular issue but for private sector employers unlike public sector employers private sector employers have to pay for the cost of the test if they're not free and the time that the employees take them so those are the things that those are really what i'm seeing private sector employers struggle with do they just want to mandate the vaccine because it's more effective, less administratively burdened, and, and more economical? Or do they want to give an opportunity for um, uh, people with medical exemptions to to work remotely or people with religious exemptions to do the, the testing alternative? Now, that's really where I'm seeing our clients uh, um, struggle through those issues. Well, you know, uh, this week, Mayor uh, Rick Langiardi rolled out the uh, Safe Access Program. Uh, and, uh, uh, you know, at a news conference two weeks ago, uh, he, I guess, made the case for, for why we have to uh, step things up. And up until about July, I thought we had worked our way out of it. We saw a light at the end of the tunnel. And then the month of August has come, and then we've had this Delta surge. And this Delta surge in the beginning didn't appear to be as aggressive right at the outset as it turned out to be, but has just become more so. So part of my reason for being here is this is yet one more step now, as we've learned to realize that we have a very formidable enemy in this Delta variant on what we're doing about it. So we've taken some measured steps of late. First and foremost, we mandated that all of our city and county workers be vaccinated. And we've done that to create, first and foremost, a safe work environment for our employees. We think the vaccines is the ultimate way to go, but also because we wanted to make a contribution as city and county employees to take the pressure off of our hospitals and do everything we possibly can. And we should underscore that on the latest COVID counts as of today, there have been 90 deaths just in the first two weeks of September. And we have heard time and time again that the majority of those hospitalized with uh, COVID and serious um, uh, uh, symptoms are uh, mostly unvaccinated. So that, that's something I think that we needed to underscore. We have 679 deaths uh, to date. And I remember for the longest time, that number you know, hovered at 15. And so it, it's pretty sobering uh, when you think about that. Um, but Jeff, I mean, you know, uh, what else are you hearing from, um, from clients as they uh, try and figure you know, a, a way forward? I, I'm, I'm not really hearing much pushback at all against the, against the mayor's order. I, I, most of the clients that I work with are just doing their best. It, what, the, the administrative team did a good rollout. Uh, they, I think everybody understands what they need to do. Mo- most of the restaurants that I represent have reported they, they really haven't had any that many uh, uninformed customers. So I, I think it's going it's going as good as could be expected for a, a, a quick action. Well, this is a conversation on Hawaii Public Radio. Uh, our guests in our studio are uh, Labor Attorney Jeff Harris and Tamara Addison uh, with the Oahu Transit Services, which operates the bus. Uh, we're talking about mandatory vaccines, and we'd like to know how you're affected. You can join the discussion by calling 941-3689 or 1-877-941-3689 from the neighbor islands. Uh, and, you know, we did talk with... Um, uh, State Representative Val Okimoto, she represents Mililani and Waipio Acres. Uh, she is vaccinated, but she opposes the mandate. Uh, and she has questions about the testing as an alternative to vaccination. I did meet with the governor and I appreciate him sitting down with me. And I stated, just like I did in the letter to him, that I was against the mandate. What I did appreciate, which not everybody agrees with, is that there was an option for testing. To me, having that option, although it, it can be an inconvenience, for some who choose to not get vaccinated, at least that's an option, and the state was going to cover the, the cost for that. But I think there is a lot of concern. I think the one that concerned me the most was from the county, from the mayor, where there weren't the same options. It was, you, you can't test unless you get a religious or medical exemption. And I, I have met with firefighters since then, 
I know a lot of teachers because I was a teacher. There's there's a lot of concern even in the health in the in the medical field. There's nurses who have have had struggles with that. We do have a teacher shortage. We obviously have a law enforcement and first responder shortage. So I I don't see how this is going to help. And one concern that's been expressed, the public sector, we've come out and said that if you choose to not get the vaccine, you can test. But in the private sector, the concern is who's covering this? Is that is it incumbent on the employee to then cover the, the weekly testing or however often it's, it's going to be required? That is a concern of employee, employees as well as the employers, I'm sure. And, uh, you know, Jeff, I, I don't know what you're hearing. I know we've had that uh, lawsuit filed uh, by first responders, you know, over this testing mandate. I was not able to get an update on if there's been a hearing uh, set yet on that. Uh, what are your thoughts on that suit? I'm, I'm confident the federal court will dismiss that case. Um, the, the, the primary attack was on the emergency use authorization. Now Pfizer's been approved so that that attack falls by the wayside there's no religious there's no right to a religious exemption and if the if the city or their state allows the religious exemption they just can't get into a person's religious beliefs it's a very it's a very relaxed test for whether or not your religion justifies your exemption request they they just can't get into that they they can't pick they can't favor one religion over another. And that, that's really the same in the public and the private sector. So, so uh, the, re- the real question, the real question is, is there any real effective accommodation? Because everybody, again, everybody keeps talking about tests, but I've already explained they're, they're one-seventh of the protection. You only have a, you only have a negative test result for one day. You, you, the, the employer has increased burden, and the employer pays the cost of it. Not the, not the cost of the test if it's free, but the cost of every week when the employee has to go get the test. That's paid working time. So that, those, those are really my, my thoughts on, on testing. I, I understand that people think that they need, they need that, they need to give that option, and I respect people's decision to give that option i'm just here to say it's it's not a legal requirement you you can implement a vaccine mandate without a testing option and 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 people need to understand that they're they're getting an opportunity if they want to get out of the vaccine mandate it's not their legal right and Tamara, can you share with us, oh, you know, how is OTS looking at this? What's the system that they've got uh, in place to deal with um, folks who want an exemption? Right. So we set up an online request form for them. Um, so far, we had 173 that requested um, an exemption. About 20 were medical, um, 135 religious, and 18 asked for both, <laughs> apply for both reasons. Um, so far, we've gone through 40 applications that are approved, and we're um, pending additional information or review um, for the rest. We have three people in our HR office that are reviewing them and, and working with the employees. Um, and if any do get denied, then it, we have an appeal process where the employee will come to me as a director. Okay. And then who has the f- ultimate decision then? So it, I would be the final. You would be the, the, the final decision. Correct. Uh, we did get a comment and question for today's uh, conversation. Uh, okay, my name is Wiley of Waimea. Uh, I'm 79 years old. I received the J&J shot last May. I think the religious exemption is ridiculous because it begs the question, who decides which religion qualifies for this anti-vaccination religion excuse and what is the criteria? If I believe in the flying spaghetti monster, then would I be exempt if the state recognizes only certain religions for exemptions, and those religions are effectively state religions, which violates the First Amendment to the Constitution. I don't know. Jeff, any response to that? that that's exactly what I mean. Flying spaghetti monsters, probably a, a little bit, uh, if, if you want an exemption, don't go in and say the flying, flying spaghetti monster told me not to get a vaccination. But, but again, the test for for whether or not the relig- religious exemption um, applies, the test, 
nobody should get into the business of weighing the validity of one religion over another. The, the U.S. Constitution uh, prevents public employers from doing that, and, and the Title VII uh, prevents private employers from doing that. What the focus should be on is not the religion, but on the effective accommodation. And, and it, it, I, nobody can dispute that our medical experts, our State Department of Health and the CDC, has said vaccine is number one. And that's what we see our public officials respecting. We're not, we're not doctors. They're, the CDC and the Department of Health has, has said people should get vaccinated. And, and so this testing option is, is way far different than that. It's, it's once a week. It, it, it creates a lot of administrative burden, and it's really un, uneconomical, except for the, the testing companies and the, the employees who get more paid hours because they, they get paid for going to get the tests. So, so it's, um, I, while I agree with the caller that the, the religious exemption is broad, I, I, I disagree with them that anybody should be deciding which religions get it and which don't. And Tamara, I don't know, your thoughts on that? Yeah, I totally agree. So, you know, we're not going to be questioning whether somebody's beliefs are sincere or insincere or what religion they belong to. As long as they state that it, this is a sincerely held religious belief, then they are eligible for um, that exemption. However, our concern, again, is whether this will create more than a de minimis burden to the company, whether we can maintain to accommodate them because of the cost of testing and the cost of the time to pay them. And you know, at the uh, news conference that Mayor Blangiardi um, announced the safe uh, access program, you know, he addressed, uh, you know, uh, the concerns, uh, you know, that, that businesses have about the patrons getting vaccinated and also uh, with the employees. Uh, here's what he had to say. In order to enter a, an establishment, it's not just restaurants, bars, and gyms. In our in our announcement, there's a whole list of establishments from the standpoint of museums, movie theaters, etc. You know, all patrons are either going to have to pro show proof of vaccination or a, a negative test that was taken in the last 48 hours. In the restaurants themselves, for employees, all employees, and and vendors and contractors to those, our expectation is that they're going to have to show proof of vaccination and or we're going to test employees on a weekly basis. Now, that's going to be up to the individual establishments. There's plenty of free testing available uh, around Oahu. Uh, but at the end of the day right now, we're going to enforce that. We're going to watch it very carefully. You know, and, and Jeff, you know, he the mayor is, you know, uh, you know, towing the line. Uh, you know, he says we're, we're trying to make accommodations, but uh, they do want to encourage vaccines. And if the mandates are a way to do it, uh, and uh, access to, you know, restaurants and and uh, and theaters. I mean, that's what they're going to do. And, and I I respect uh, the mayor's decision. He has he has the legal right to do that, and he's doing it. All right, and we did get uh, some uh, listener feedback. Uh, Debbie Lim from Kaimuki sent this through our talkback line. She says, absolutely, we should have state and city vaccine mandates to protect our under-12s who cannot be vaccinated and those with immune systems cannot produce enough antibodies. The smart medical and scientific minds who have spent decades studying and researching viruses, health policy, and vaccines are not only getting themselves and their families vaccinated, they say this is the only way we can have any chance of returning to the freedoms of our pre-COVID lives. Our decision should be based on the advice of these experts, not faceless social media posts that are unverifiable and based on unsubstantiated anecdotal stories, especially considering the sophisticated foreign cyber operations that benefit by having our community divided, scared, and untrusting. A healthy community should be our overriding objective. That was, again, Debbie Lim from Kaimuki who sent that in. Uh, we also got uh, 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 some more feedback from another listener from the Big Island. Aloha, my name's Amy. I live over on the Big Island in the Honoka'a area, and I'm calling to tell you with mandatory vaccine policy, it's going to be a disaster. I'm one of the people, and most people do not have the courage to call and speak to you about this. I'm one of the people that cannot medically take the shot. 
and already have been yelled at, cursed at, and friends of mine have been called murderers. This has to stop. There are solutions to this problem. There's a huge gap between COVID testing and vaccination. And so we need antibody and T-cell tests for those of us who think we've already had it and may have natural immunity. And, of course, we need stronger masks, gloves, sanitation, and distancing regulations. Those are surface, not invasive procedures. In other words, you just put it on and it's on the outside of your body. It's not injecting something into your body that could cause very severe reactions. The other thing about this is that those of us who can't get vaccinated, if you put in a mandatory vaccination, we're going to have additional problems such as being unable to renew driver's licenses, car registrations, and all kinds of other things. So please address these issues. Thank you very much. Aloha. And I should point out that, uh, yeah, there's nothing yet, I, I believe, about renewing driver's license, that kind of thing. Uh, but Tamara, you know, she talks about uh, catching flack because she can't get vaccinated. I mean, are you hearing about, you know, anything like that within the buzz? Yes, um, some of our employees, especially those unvaccinated, um, are feeling some pressure from other employees. Or People are asking, what did you apply for? Did you apply for an exemption? Were you vaccinated? Um, so that's something that we're trying to discourage and keep private, the, um, you know, keep all their medical information confidential, as well as, uh, you know, the, when they're, those who are doing the weekly testing, everything comes directly to HR instead of going through the managers. And Jeff, I mean, I don't know, uh, what are you hearing out there? Are there, are there folks that are, um, you know, uh, catching flack? Uh, I mean, how do you deal with this in the workplace? I mean, is it okay for me to say, hey, are you vaccinated? Uh, it's it's such a small problem in in the clients that that I advise. There there'll be one or two people, and they're having an opportunity to think about it on unpaid leave. Um, so so it's and and for the caller, the CDC and the Department of Health recommend vaccines all of the other safety precautions uh, most of the other safety precautions other than testing also remain in place and and t- testing it just isn't as effective so so you you have the you have the right to stay remote to stay at home if you have a medical condition that prevents you from from getting vaccinated but just like I can stay at home and drink a bottle of scotch, I, I can't get in my car and go out and endanger other people. And, and, and I know that's not the exact same thing, but it sort of is. It's, there's, there's a difference between where your personal liberty ends and where your effect on the community begins. And the United States Supreme Court made that decision for us over 120 years ago in the Jacobson case. And many, many cases since then have said the same thing. You, you, you don't have the right to threaten the community by, by not taking a vaccine recommended by our, our medical officials. It, it's that simple. Now there's an accommodation allowed that, that we decided to allow for those people that object that, that is testing, but that's, that again is in in my personal opinion not legal opinion but personal opinion the wrong step because you're leaving a crack in the door because everybody understands everybody agrees that when you're you exempt someone and you give them a test instead of a vaccine you're leaving the door open for six out of the seven days but legally you believe that uh the law is clear Yes, yes. Any private employer in the state could, could, could say, we are not allowing tests. You must get vaccinated if you, if you have, uh, if you have a, a medical, con- if you have a doctor's note that says there's a problem with you getting vaccinated, we'll talk about remote work. Okay, but we already have, we already have masks and, and social distancing in the office. There's nothing else we can do to protect our employees and customers other than a vaccination. 
the, the, the testing doesn't work. That's that's a legal position. It's just that pe- people and you can respect someone's personal feelings, but I'm telling you the law doesn't tell you to do that in the private sector. And in 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 the public sector, in, in the private sector, yes, you need to accommodate medical issues. But if they're medical issues, then the person can stay home, and if they can they can either work remotely or they can they can take an unpaid leave until until the situation is over. Um, in in the public sector, there again, there. there is no right to a religious exemption. If you give a religious exemption, you have to treat all religions equally. There, it's not clear whether there's a right to a medical exemption, but unless you can re- eliminate the risk to, to co-workers and customers with some other accommodation, and it's not testing, uh, the, 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 the law doesn't tell you that you must provide that. That's That's a Frankly, that's a, a, a. I respect the political decision, but it's a political decision. All right. Well, this is the conversation on Hawaii Public Radio. We are talking about vaccine and testing mandates. You can join our discussion by calling one eight seven seven nine four one three six eight nine. Stay with us. We'll be right back after a short break. Support for Hawaii Public Radio comes from the Hanahaoli School Professional Development Center. This spring, offering courses focusing on progressive approaches to early childhood STEM education. Details at hanahaoli.org pdc. Robert Hogue remembers the day he was in his office at the Pentagon celebrating his first year as Marine Corps legal counsel. The date, September 11, 2001. That's the last thing we heard before the boom. It's just that all of a sudden, that loud roar. Hogue joins us to look back on that day and how he and the Marine Corps have since changed. I'm Meghna Chakrabarty. That's on the next On Point. Beginning this afternoon at 2, following the world. Support for Hawaii Public Radio comes from the Honolulu Museum of Art, welcoming the community with a reimagination of its Antiquity and the Body Gallery, featuring a new sound suit sculpture by artist Nick Cave. HonoluluMuseum.org. We're back with the conversation here on Hawaii Public Radio. Uh, we have uh, two guests with us, labor lawyer Jeff Harris and Tamara Addison with uh, Oahu Transit Services. And uh, Tamara, you want to add something? You know, Jeff talked about, you know, the how the, the legal issue is clear in his mind. And I, and I agree, I think. But um, some of the feedback that we're getting from our employees is that for the last, you know, year and a half, we've been preaching that, Keep your distance, wear your mask, you're safe, you're, you have limited exposure to the public because you don't have um, 15 minutes within six feet of you know, prolonged close contact. And now that the, we have this vaccine mandate, we're saying you're not safe without a vaccine. So that was something to balance where they still think that they're, they can be safe without being vaccinated, that these methods have worked all this time. And so why the change? And are you hearing anything about legal challenges uh, with the drivers at all? No, and I believe that's because um, we've worked well with the union. Um, we're still negotiating with them, but by allowing mm-hmm. the exemptions, that has made it a little more palatable to them. And you are moving the deadline 
at, at this point. It wasn't yesterday. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so a deadline for everybody to submit things was yesterday, but the effective date of when the testing and the mandatory vaccinations and the unpaid leave for those who don't respond, um, that's probably going to be pushed back. Okay. And uh, Jeff, you know, we have seen uh, some establishments just say, I'm not going to follow, you know, the orders uh, for safe access uh, and are just, uh, you know, going to push this issue. Uh, you know, we have seen a couple of employees, government employees, uh, uh, we, one teacher, I believe, on the Big Island has quit that I know of. And uh, uh, we're hearing that there is a uh, Honolulu police officer uh, who, uh, you know, may actually, you know, lose his job over this. Uh, but how are you looking at these cases? Well, I, I'm, I'm encouraging the director of the Department of Labor and Industrial Relations to respect our unemployment law, which which requires her judges to, or her hearing officers to deny unemployment if an employee disregards a clear uh, safety standard imposed by an employer. So I, 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 I expect those people to quit to have a difficult time if employers oppose their unemployment. Um, and and I'm, I'm hearing lots of stories about one or two or maybe even eight, eight, eight officers at the city that got their exemptions granted or, or, or an, another handful of people that are sitting out in front of a restaurant or, or someone's house protesting a decision. But the vast majority of our community strongly believes in this vaccination mandate, strongly believes in the need to get vaccinated, and they don't want to go back and stay in their houses again. And what about... Go ahead. We we, we don't have a convention back. We don't have cruise ships back. We have individual travelers. Our our, our industry is still struggling. There's many, many hotel workers. There's many, many food and beverage workers that are sitting at home because we, we haven't done enough to get this, this pandemic over. And so I, I re- respect the mayor and the governor's efforts to try and move this forward. And uh, Tamara, uh, I don't know, is there anything else that you can share with us just on the snapshot uh, with the drivers or the uh, handy van drivers or the bus drivers? As far as our number of positive cases? Yeah, so um, since March of 2020, we had 115 positive cases. And um, it's funny because Lieutenant Governor came to visit our facilities on July 28th. And at that time, we only had 68 positives in those 17 months. And he was really proud of the efforts. We had no clusters at our um, company. We're really proud of that. But then as soon as August hit with that Delta variant, um, since then, we've had 46 positive cases. So 40% of our entire cases um, that were positive um, started just this past month and a half. And that's even with all the precautions. Correct. Masks and... So all the things that we've been doing don't doesn't work or it's not as effective as the vaccinations. Right. And then, uh, Jeff, I know, uh, you know, there are companies, uh, like I mentioned, that are digging in their heels and, and saying, well, we're not going to, uh, you know, uh, roll out this safe access program uh, you know what do you what do you say to, to what do you say to them if, if somebody gets sick in their establishment uh, there there's definitely some tort exposure first of all our Hawaii Supreme Court tells employers in the private sector that that if your employee your employee catches and suffers from COVID it's your job to show that it did not happen at work In other words, the presumption is it happened at work. And then there are several different tort claims that are already being brought in California based based on you not taking the the, at least the recommended precautions recommended by the CDC, the Department of Health and our government officials to protect your your workforce and your your uh, customers. And and some of those tort claims go even to the managers at the companies that that don't even make the decision because they didn't do enough to to encourage their boss to at least comply with the, the government mandates. 
Do they be personally they, liable? Yes, yes. It's called the Iddings case, I-D-D-I-N-G, Iddings v. Neely. The doctor at a castle hospital that got, was personally liable because he kept too many beds in a, in a hospital ward. And, and, he was, and the Hawaii Supreme Court held that he could be held personally liable because he allowed an unsafe workplace. And, and, and so that was out. A nurse was able to sue him personally outside of, of uh, workers' comp. So, again, there's three sorts of claims. There's the workers' comp claim, and then the, 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 what I call the Iddings claim, which is the claim against the manager that didn't do enough to get the, the boss to do the right thing. And then there's the claim by the customers. It's the, the dump case over – it's the uh, case over in the Big Island from 20 years ago where – Somebody walked out of a, was walking in a shopping center and they slipped on a French fry and and the mode of operation was unsafe because the shopping center had allowed people to walk through the the store with French fries. So so that's, there's uh-huh. there's all kinds of support for plaintiffs, attorneys, and employees that become ill as a result of COVID to m- make claims against. Employers under under workers' comp, uh, employers managers under the Iddings case, and and customers to make claims under under um, the 1990 Hilo case, and, and that we were already seeing them in California, and and they'll come here, so they'll be they'll be attorneys that make them, and and uh, we'll see what happens. I'm sorry, but the French fry case, <laughs> I, I, I know of a particular uh, case where someone tried to sue the post office because uh, they tripped over a chicken on their way <laughs> into the post office. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it, uh, well, it, that's interesting. So, so y- in your mind, it's real clear uh, that uh, these are the arguments uh, and, 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 and how things may be held up in court or struck down. Yeah. I- I, I I don't see any basis. I see no basis for a private employer to legally legally contest the the uh, the, the mayor's mandate. I I see little little basis, and I and I didn't mean to predict what our district judge here is going to do, but I I. I see little basis for our federal district judge here to let the first responders case go much longer. It, it's it, the the in my opinion that the state and the city and county have acted constitutionally. Um, I, I I see the the most likely litigation to come out to out out of this um, pandemic to come later. Like like the the wife in California that is suing Seize Candy because she got she got COVID and she went home gave it to her husband killed her husband and that that case is is up on appeal now because the lower court judge said she could go forward with the case and and a number of business groups are are appealing that but I, I, I it's. That that's where I think there's going to be the litigation. You you didn't you didn't keep your workplace or your premises safe. Okay, and then for those uh, first responders involved in that suit, uh, if their case gets struck down, then they're going to have to make some tough decisions whether they just uh, walk away from their retirement or their careers uh, on this issue of mandated vaccine or tests. Well, I don't know the 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 the. Um, the city, I understand, has granted exemptions for those uh, individual officers that have requested medical exemptions. That's what the court record says. Says that, that as a matter of fact, it, it, the, case, the first responders case may be moot because it, it, the, the city and county argues because they've granted exemptions, religious exemptions to everybody that asked for. I think there is one officer, though, that uh, 
does not plan to file either a medical or a uh, um, religious exemption because he just thinks that's not honest. <laughs> he just, on principle, okay. uh, doesn't. Well, I, I, yeah. I, I respect him. Yeah. He's mm-hmm. he, but but I don't think I don't think that officer has a case. Yeah. Well, he has a lot to lose. I I, I read that he had a he's a one year away from retirement, uh, so that's going to be a, a tough decision for him. Um, yep. Tamara, anything else that, that uh, you can share with us just about the snapshot uh, in your workplace? Well, I, I think that's why we really worked with our union members and the union representatives to get the message out to our employees that, you know, don't take this unpaid leave. There's, there's a, a means for you to continue working. We're providing these exemptions. File it. Um, and I guess just like that officer, some of them at first thought that they wouldn't be approved for the religious exemption, but um, there has been an increase in people applying for that. And, you know, uh, I know there's been, you know, some uh, confusion or questions about the testing. Uh, and, uh, you know, the uh, Governor David Ige uh, did address uh, some of this, uh, some of these issues that came up in a recent news conference. Uh, here's what he underscored. There's two different uh, efforts that are um, underway. We are working uh, to increase the availability of free testing. So if an employee of the state is able to go to a free testing site, then they would not have to incur the cost. If they are unable to go to a free site, that does not obviate the need for them to get tested on a weekly or more frequent basis, depending on their job category. Uh, and then the employee, uh, employee would be responsible for the cost of the test. Uh, so that um, is the current uh, policy that the state has. You know, I do think that every employer is going to have, a, have to make a decision. Obviously, we believe that um, the best way forward is for people to get vaccinated. It is free. Uh, and most employers are um, providing uh, time for um, workers to get vaccinated. Uh, and certainly, I, I do believe that that's uh, what we're encouraging and fully supporting, so there shouldn't be any cost to the individuals. Those who choose to get tested in lieu of vaccinations, then I do believe that they will uh, have to bear the cost if if there is any cost in uh, the weekly testing. And then Jeff, underscore then for the private sector. The, the, the law that requires the employer to pay for the tests excludes the government. It only applies to private sector. It's Hawaii Revised Statutes 388-6, open parens 6, and it says employers cannot, private employers cannot require their employees to bear the cost of the testing. And, and the Fair Labor Standards Act, implemented by the United States Department of Labor, also says that if a te- if a test is required because of work, that the employer must pay for the time for the employee to go get the test. So, so those are the two reasons that I say the the weekly testing alternative is less economical than just having an employee get one vaccination or two vaccinations, unless it's J and J. If you're just joining us, our guests in uh, studio are uh, Tamara Addison. Uh, she's the Human Resources Director of Wahoo Transit Services. And uh, we have Labor Attorney Jeff Harris uh, joining us by phone. Uh, if you have a comment or question, uh, please call us at 941-3689 or 1-877-941-3689 from the neighbor islands. And, Jeff, I know, you know, I've been reading these stories about how uh, – I think the airlines, I think it was Delta that said that uh, employees who are refusing the vaccines are going to have to pay an extra, whatever, $200 uh, for their health insurance. What do you think of cases like that? I, I, I don't recommend that. There's a, lot of, there's a lot more lawyering to be done to set up that sort of system. Um, I, I've, what I've had, I've had questions from from. Um, some health care plans asking if they can deny coverage to COVID-related illnesses. And I don't see any. 
basis for that. But again, any of those sort of schemes or incentive programs that have been around for months haven't worked. And and so I I, I discourage the 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 incentive programs that have been around since really March uh, because they require a lot more lawyering and and we we've seen that they really don't work. And what about the deadlines? Uh, you know, I, I think, oh gosh, I think I read that it was Hawaiian Airlines isn't requiring uh, the mandates to, to uh, kick in until like November. Uh, and yet you've got other, you know, very large corporations that have just said, nope, we're doing it. Um, go out and get your shot or else. That's a, that's a business or a political decision. Um, I, I, on the other hand, know a lot of employers that have done exactly what I've said. You get you get vaccinated, period, um, if you want to work for us because we want a safe workplace. And 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 those deadlines have passed, and the and the employers have 100 percent vaccinated workforces. So yeah, and, they're, and, they're just real strict. And, <laughs> No, they're not real strict. They're, they they care for their employees and customers. They're not listening to the minority that are telling. They're, they're not listening to the little devil on their shoulder that says, "Give these people that really don't want it a break." <laughs> okay, they they have they have they did what they had the right to do to protect their employees, their customers, and their vendors. Okay, real bright line for them. And and Tamra, yeah. you know, t- talk about the deadlines because you know you did have a deadline this week, and that's floating for right now. Right, we wanted to give everybody the opportunity to get vaccinated to make their choice. We had um, employee meetings where we allowed the employees to talk with myself and our president and senior vice president. Um, they were on Zoom, scheduled to be an hour each. So we had two meetings, one in the morning, one in the afternoon. We ended up being on on the air with them for almost six hours, listening to their concerns. And one of the things that they did ask was to allow them more time to really fully consider the impact of the vaccine, um, what the side effects would be, or whether they wanted to pursue getting um, tested with the exemption. Um, and when we talk about the costs, we do have the free city uh, testing at the airport. Of OTS is considered city employees for that purpose. Um, and so, but like uh, Jeff mentioned, it is costly because we, as a private employer, need to compensate them for the time spent. So initially we negotiated an hour of pay per person. Um, it was then bumped up to two hours. So just for the number of exemptions that we have so far, those are approved. It's going to cost us $10,000 weekly wow. just in salaries alone. So wow. yeah, it's a big concern. So we are also looking at on-site testing. So if it's on-site testing, OTS will need to pay for that, um, not the city, but that might offset the cost of the time. And what about the type of testing that you're doing? I mean, are you doing the PCRs or are you doing the just a surveillance type of test? Probably just a cheaper antigen test, the surveillance testing. Um, initially at the city testing site, there it was PCR, and then they just recently moved to the antigen testing. And Jeff, what are you hearing uh, from your clients about the uh, testing? I'm I'm recommending that if they have a lot of people that they want to test, uh, larger larger employers get call up the Vax or the test bus. There's I I know the one at HPH. I, I imagine there's some other providers that are going out and doing on-site uh, on-site vaccination and testing. Uh, but I, I'm I'm hearing exactly what I'm saying and and. And the bus is, is seeing the example of the testing decision. $10,000 a month is, is, is a lot of money. Uh, it, and, and for smaller businesses, if they, if they don't get most of their people vaccinated and they allow the test, that's going to be a weekly expense. All right. Well, we're just mm-hmm. coming up to the top of the hour. Tamara, any final thoughts? Um, no, I just want to thank our union representatives for working with us and for getting the word out. You know, earlier in this uh, couple weeks ago, we had about a thousand employees that didn't respond. And so they called every single one of them 
um, and got them to respond to our survey, fill out the forms, upload their cards, and so we appreciate their efforts. And Jeff, any final uh, thoughts for you? The, the, I, I would echo um, the OTS's appreciation of the labor organizations. The labor organizations that I've worked with in this town are looking at this in a very responsible manner. It's, it, you don't hear the labor organizations uh, uh, saying that, that they, making all the anti-vax uh, comments. They're, they're working with employers to do the right thing. Yeah, I mean, I guess they don't see the uh, value in pursuing a lawsuit if they don't think they've got a, a case they're going to win. Well, and they also have the bulk of their members like working in safe workplaces. Yes. Absolutely. Well, we'd like to thank our guests, uh, Tamara Addison of Wahoo Transit Services, which operates the bus and the handy van service, uh, and labor lawyer Jeff Harris from the firm Torkelson Katz, Hetherington, Harris, and Norick. We thank, and we thank you, the listener, for joining us on today's show. If you have a comment to share, uh, please call our talkback line, 808-792-8217. You can also send us an email at talkback at hawaiipublicradio.org. And if you want to listen back to today's show, check out the Conversation Podcast at hawaiipublicradio.org. I'm Catherine Cruz. Join us tomorrow for more of the conversation.